Good evening, everyone, and welcome to a special episode of Stripping the Dipping. I'm flying solo in the co-host chair today. I'm the modern-day Marvin Gaye, standing in for the modern-day Morgan Freeman, uh, a.k.a. F1 Blag. And I've got a really special guest today. Uh, when we ask Georgie to get guests, uh, sometimes we're like, yeah, we'll definitely, definitely get them. But today I'm here with a chap that was the first ever black driver to win an indie sanctioned event. And when we're speaking to him now, he's leading the US F2000 series with only one weekend to go. Uh, I'm speaking to none other than Miles Rowe. Miles, fantastic to have you. How are you? I am great. Yes, it's a pleasure to be on. Uh, thank you for having me. And yeah, I'm doing amazing. You know, super blessed to, to be here and be in the position I'm in for sure. Brilliant. So our audience, um, you know, primarily motorsport, but possibly sort of slightly too obsessed with F1 and the European side. For those that might not uh, know you or might not know a lot about you, could you tell us who you are? Tell us a bit about Miles Rowe. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, obviously, you know, Miles Rowe. Uh, right now, I'm 22 years old and I'm living in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I'm a film major, graduated from Pace University this year. Um, and I'm also a racing driver. Uh, and I race nationally across the United States currently. I race in the USF 2000 championship that is part of the Road to Indy, which is basically a development series. You can kind of think of it as like college ball, for instance. Um, and it basically is, is a development series to help feed drivers into the IndyCar uh, system. So USF 2000 is the first series in that ladder. Uh, and you work your way up through Indy Pro 2000, which is what I'll be running next year, and then Indy Lights. And then, you know, hopefully, if you're good enough, you have an opportunity to show your skills in IndyCar and race against the best of the best. So that's what I'm doing right now. Um, and like, like you said, Blag leading the championship right now, going into the last round uh, in Portland, Oregon at, on September 1st through 4th, um, and looking to win it in, in advance into Indy Pro 2000 and, and get a scholarship, you know, to make it a little bit easier to complete the full season for next year. Gosh, you've uh, you've preempted my script. It's fantastic to hear that you're you're aiming on the Pro 2000 uh, next season, and really really keen to unpick all of your experiences to date, and then where your dreams, where you hope they'll take you. Could you tell us a little bit about sort of your first experiences of motorsport? So perhaps as a fan, but also as a as a child getting into the sport. What were your first experiences? Yeah. So before I began driving myself. I actually discovered motorsports uh, on TV with my dad. I, I didn't grow up in a family who, who, you know, used to race or, you know, just used to watch it. I, you know, I was the first of a, of a motorsports fan in my family. And I was actually um, a young uh, golfer when I, when I was a kid. My dad got me into golf when I was around two and three years old, went to golf camp, all those sort of things. And I was really passionate about it. And that was something I actually really wanted to do at the time. Um, and my dad inspired me a lot. Tiger Woods at the time inspired me a lot. So we were watching golf on TV one day uh, and then commercials came on and then he had the habit of flipping through channels once commercials are on to find a different channel before the, the golf game gets back on. Uh, and he was flipping through channels and Formula One was one of the channels that he flipped through and he actually kept flipping through it. And I was like, wait, go back to that. I want to see what that is. I have no idea what that is, but it looks cool. And um, he was like, what was that? And I was like, I think it was cars or something. And then he went back and then he flipped through it again. And then I was like, no, 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 it's, it's right there. Go back, go back. And then he finally landed on the channel and it was, I remember vividly, it was Alonzo running through some chicane um, in his blue and yellow Renault. I think this is like 2006 or, or 2005, something like that. 
Um, and we literally watched the rest of the race. We didn't even go back to the golf game after that because I was just so into the race. Um, and that was the first time I discovered racing. And after that, it was all Hot Wheels, Speed Racer, you know, anything under the under the sun, you know, cars that I can get. Um, so, yeah, that was how I first discovered it as a fan. And Alonzo was my guy then because um, he was really winning uh, back then uh, in the in the rental in the rental area. Uh, but my first experience as a driver, uh, so we didn't have the money to, you know, just get our own go-kart, uh, at first. Uh, so we actually got really lucky with, with what we had around us. So I grew up, um, near Atlanta, Georgia, near Atlanta, Georgia, 30 minutes west of Atlanta, um, kind of near Smyrna and Marietta, uh, some of you Georgians might know, but there was a, a series called Pro Cup Karting, which took place in this indoor venue called Andretti Indoor Karting and Games, which was basically like rpm k1 speed fast times which is basically where you go and you can run rental carts and then also play arcade games and then you know obviously depending on your age have a drink or just have a bite to eat or and have a good time but in that venue they had the series pro cup karting which was a league you can use to race these rental carts and actually have points into a championship um to you know win a win a karting championship and so we i found that on the internet you know researching all these things when i was a kid trying to figure out how i could get into racing and we found it, we went there, we, we tried it out. We tried the go-karts out. We talked to some of the people about the league and then we decided to do it. And my first race, I won. And there were actually three different divisions in the league. And I was, I started out good enough to the point where they had to immediately move me up a division instead of waiting to finish a full year of the division and then move up, um, which showed my dad and I that, you know, there's some talent that I have in it because I don't think, I think they said no one did that yet. I think I was the first one to do that. Um, so. Yeah, that was my first experience racing a go-kart um, in that first race and winning it. It was great. I mean, it it was awesome because, and I think it it, it kind of helps me now to this day, uh, especially like on street circuits per se, because the indoor karting, what it did was it gives you a bigger sense of car control because you're sliding a cart a lot more than you would on asphalt with a, with a normal cart. So you have a lot more car control um, going on there. And then you're also racing around barriers the whole time. You know, it's not like you have grass and everything like that. Um, so when I get to a street circuit, it always reminds me of where I, you know, where I came from, from the indoor karting, karting venue and, and racing against the barriers, you know, constantly sort of a thing. So those, that was my first experience. And I don't, I, I would not change it, you know, for the world. That was, that was definitely the best way I could have got into racing, you know, whether I had money or not sort of a thing um, for whoever, for whatever budget you have, I would say, you, who, if you're trying to get into motorsports, indoor karting is definitely the best way to get into it. That's fantastic. And, you know, when you were talking about being, you know, let's call it a child prodigy in golf, I was thinking, is this guy going to be one of those people you meet at is good, what they put their hands on? And then you won your first uh, go-karting uh, event and, and were moved up. Um, so that's, that's really impressive. I mean, do you have a sense, and maybe it's difficult if you, if you have a natural talent, but do you have a sense of what makes, what made you already sort of capable of driving a cart quickly from you know from the moment you put your bum in the seat uh yeah i mean that's 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 hard to say i mean because off of that i would say you know i definitely put time in into that first race i definitely looked at my videos definitely looked at you know what gopros they had you know running on youtube of of the track layout where they're braking where they're accelerating how they're pitching the cart into the corners uh their lines per se and then watching you know the greats of F1 and IndyCar, you know, just watching their technique and learning how they get off, you know, the brakes and, and onto the throttle and how they manage the momentum of the cars. Definitely did my homework. Um, 
but I don't want to, you know, I, it's not like I don't think anyone didn't do their homework sort of a thing. So I think it just, it, it's just, especially if you have a talent, you know, it's just about, you know, taking the action and, and really getting to the, getting to where you want to be or, or starting at least where you want to be to see, you know, what you can do. And, and the thing was, was my dad, my dad luckily believed in me and, and I believed in myself. And it was just about going out, going out there and doing what I had to do. And, and that's just what I did. Um, and yeah, it, I did the homework for sure. You know, I made sure all the variables were covered. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, took a chance on myself. head on on young shoulders and that that sort of research seems like pro level so uh no fantastic um so you did indoor karting um and then where did you go where did you go from there did you go into single seaters or what what happened there yeah so it was a little road from indoor karting to my single seater days currently uh so that series actually i kind of evolved with that series for a little bit for the start of my career so I did that, that indoor series. They moved me up in the division. I won the championship in the division they moved me up in when I finally did a full year. And then the series evolved into an outdoor rental karting series. So it was no longer indoor rental karts. It changed locations to Dawsonville, Georgia at Atlanta Motorsports Park. And it went to outdoor rental karts. Same league, basically same drivers, but there was a few more people because it was in a different location. Um, and then, yeah, we went outdoor in a, in a really awesome uh, karting track. Um, out in Dawsonville, Georgia, and then I got—I can't—I can't remember the, to this day. It was second or third in the championship. We didn't win it, but we were really close, um, and it was a really good fight. But that was my rental karting day. So I did two years of that, and then that's when I went into the more, you know, widely known, you know, where people get their own go kart, run national championships, sort of a thing. Um, and that was—and we were able to do that because we actually got sponsored. We got sponsored by Lucas Oil at the time, and then. Uh, core power also which is a protein shake um, and so that helped push us to get our own go-kart you know and keep going so we got our own go-kart at Mooresville North Carolina at the GoPro Motorplex um, and that was actually when I met Will Power I met Will Power for the first time when I got in my go-kart for the first time at the GoPro Motorplex which was really cool um, but once we did a few you know sessions there um, that's when we decided to do some races so we did some races at the GoPro Motorplex um, but that was only a little thing that we did for training. The real races we did was a series called WKA, which is called, which stands for the World Karting Association, which is a lot of um, East, East Coast racing, go-kart racing. Um, and we did all right in those. I mean, a lot of the kids, you know, they start from five to anywhere from five to eight. And then sometimes they can go as late to starting at 10 years old. I didn't start indoor go-karting until I was 12 and I didn't get my own go-kart until I was 14. So I was a little behind. So we were mid-pack for that whole year. And then we also got taken out a lot. Um, I, there was a lot of races I didn't finish. Um, and then we did another year of that. This time we were in WKA and then another championship called USPKS, United States Pro Karting Series, which is a, another East Coast championship. But they both kind of intersect and kind of the same drivers mainly go to the different, go to both series. Um, so we did that for two years and we didn't do, we never finished a full championship. We, we did probably half the rounds in both, in both years. Um, but we got sponsored in, in the second year by uh, Champion Spark Plugs, which then fueled us to keep going. So in our third year of racing, uh, we decided to do a Skip Barber Racing School. Um, and then we did the United States Pro Karting Series again. And we only missed one race this time because of our sponsorship. Uh, and we finished, I think, top five in the championship, even after missing one round. Uh, and that was really good. That was really good. So 
basically went from indoor go-karting for two years and then three years of outdoor go-karting. Uh, and then we went to the skip bar racing school in the latter half of that third year. Uh, and that was basically, that's basically kind of what you have to do to get your license to, to race in SDCA or road to Indy sort of a thing. Um, so this was, so now 20, so this was 2016, uh, when I finished go-karting 2017 was when I started the Lucas oil formula car series. So this is my single seater day. So it basically went from 2014 when I got my own go-kart to 2017 when I went to single seaters. Uh, and because I did the Skip Barber Racing School, that is the reason why I was able to do single seaters. Um, so it was a big credit to Champion Spark Plugs at the time, who you know really helped you know get us into the transition into cars because it was the the school's not free, obviously, so you have to pay some money. So it definitely helps with that, um, and to get us into that series. And we could only do six, we can only do three events in that series, which was a total of six races because it's two races per event, uh, and the Lucas Oil in the Lucas Oil Formula Car Series. Uh, but luckily, the, the three events that we particular, particularly chose actually counted as a winter series. So we did six races, won three of them, and then we ended up technically winning a single-seater championship. It wasn't a full, you know, wasn't like it was 10 weekends, but it was three weekends that counted as a championship, and we ended up winning the Lucas Oil Formula Car Series Winter Championship, which was awesome. And I must say, I think that's the only reason why I got back into single seater because I would, took a hiatus after that for four years um, because we just didn't have money, unfortunately. Unfortunately, we had great success in that series, but we just couldn't get enough funding to you know, go into USF 2000 after that or any other series. Um, so I took a hiatus for four years. That's when I got into college, really started buckling down on filmmaking and everything like that. And then Force Indy gave me a call um, about running for them. And I, and I think the only reason was because, well, they were looking for diverse drivers, obviously. But I had a championship under my belt in, in single seaters in the Lucas Oil Formula Series. I don't know many other um, black drivers who, who have that um, kind of result. So that champion spark plugs and how they got me to the Lucas Oil Formula Series is, is the reason why I'm still, still running single seaters. But that was basically my journey from indoor go-karts all the way to, to single seaters and then progressing into the USF 2000 Series. I mean, I don't think people understand the detail of, you know, how the how careers progress. But to me, that seems incredibly rapid to go from rental to owning your own car. All of a sudden, you're in a single seater and, and you're, you're kind of building your success as you go. You, well, I'm really fascinated because you talk, you said we quite a lot there. Were you doing this with your dad or do you, by that point, did you have other people with you? Like, um, it, it feels like you've got a team around you. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have a great support system. So at the time, you know, when things were a lot smaller, it was definitely me and my dad. Obviously, my mom supporting supporting me and my brother as well. But it was always my I, my mom actually went to because she just gets scared, you know, like moms can be this way sometimes. So she went to my first go karting race, like with my own go kart. She went to the very first one, um, and then she never went to a race after that. She's been to a few of my single seater races in USF 2000. But it was all of that time from the first go-karting race to USF 2000 since she's seen a race. Um, so that was, that's, that's just a funny, you know, side fact. But yeah, I mean, it was mainly me and my dad, you know, running to the track and everything. My brother would tag along too, which is awesome, Christian. Um, he's, he's into um, like motorbikes and things like that. So he loves that. So he loved to tag along um, back then. And, and when we were tugging the trailer up to Mooresville, North Carolina from Georgia, which was about like a four hour drive because Atlanta Motorsports Park was the only track we could go to in Georgia, but you had to pay a membership per month, which was basically like paying rent in New York City. So we had to drive four hours if we wanted to practice, which kind of sucked. But 
you know, it, it, it paid off, especially, you know, in terms of like meeting willpower, never would have did, never would have probably still wouldn't have been in, in single seaters if, if we didn't make that move. So that was great. But yeah. And my dad just, he just, the support he has for me is just incredible just to drive four hours, like twice a month to get up to the go-kart track, even once a month, you know, when you're working and you have all these things, you want vacations and, you know, you're paying for school and stuff like that. Like, yeah, my dad, all, all credit to my dad. I wouldn't be anywhere without my dad. Anything that I do, anything that I have done, anything I, that I do, it is all because of my dad and the things that he has helped me, helped me set up sort of a thing. So yeah, my support system is huge. My mom now is, is basically my manager, which is awesome. Um, and then, yeah, now that now sponsors that have tagged along, you know, it, it, it builds, you know, the team builds as, as you grow and, and you find more people that you can understand and that, and that you can trust and, and who can trust you. Um, and like, for instance, like Roger Pinsky is one of the, part of the team now. Um, and then like some people on Force Indy, they're part of the team. Um, but yeah, back then it was, it was all my dad. My dad, just all credit to him. I mean, that's almost tear-jerking as a father of two, two young boys. Say, so you, you know, you wouldn't be here without your dad. Um, and, you know, that, that family bond that you clearly have there um, is, is surely um, a huge part of your success. So it's fantastic. You mentioned um, that you were on hiatus for a few years and then Force Indy um, sort of gave you a call or an email, whatever we do in 2021, 22. Um, then you start in USF 2000 and you win your first race, but it's not to, until towards the end of the season. What do you think it was that, um, you know, made things click all of a sudden you, you kind of got on the pace of the leaders and, and won. What, do you think the hiatus has affected you or, or do you think you've, you've kind of continually evolved as a driver? Well, so it, it's definitely, so I love this question now rather than earlier, you know, in the fourth Indy season, because it was, it was all an experience thing. Um, and it's kind of, you know, at the time it felt like an excuse, but it's an actual thing um, that affects performance. And the history of my career, I have, until up until now, I have lacked like so much experience compared to my competitors um, through through indoor go karting, through go karts, especially through single seaters. Up until now, my lack of experience was extraordinary. Um, and I mean, I don't, I really don't know how I came out of the box in St. Petersburg, it with Force Indy and just kind of like made you know, just was running mid-pack and even, you know, running top tens and everything like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was really just a blessing, you know, and just hard work. But I think what really clicked, you know, was, was the experience. Because think about it, especially for the guys who are winning the races. Once, Like, I come into the, to the scene again, and then these guys are winning these races. I mean, they're already at the top of their game in, in, in their series sort of a thing. So just like I progressed um, going into, you know, the last couple rounds, when they were at the top of their game early in the season, they're only going to get better and even better from what the top of their game already was sort of a thing. So as I was progressing, you know, it's like trying to catch up even faster or, or trying to grow like basically twice as fast as, as they're trying to grow per se. Um, and it took a little bit um, go, heading into the mid season. Yeah. And we're back from our unscheduled uh, <laughs> commercial break. Uh, and we've got Miles Rowe with us. Uh, we were just talking about um, the kind of experience curve that you were going on in your first season of US F2000 that culminated in you 
actually winning a race um, towards the end of that first season. Uh, and you were talking about um, being even mid-pack out of the box um, and then building up from there. Um, what did it, a quick question, what did it feel like, um, you know, that win? Was it relief? Was it elation? How did you feel when you won uh, in New Jersey? Yeah, it was a mixture of, of all things, man. I mean, at first it was like, it was definitely like elation because I I really remember the last couple, like I remember passing second, being in second. There was like maybe three laps to go or something like that. And I mean, first was like, I mean, he was 10 car lengths away. I mean, like there was a big gap, it, like big enough to where like it would just make sense to just settle in, don't push the car, don't spin out because the track is still like damp sort of a mm. thing. And I remember to like, I was just like, screw it. I'm catching him, you know, just like that full, like just full sin. I mean, I, I mean, it was, it was, I've never been, you know, just more flat out just like that in my life. And, and yeah, like, you know, it, it, it was so close. I mean, like if, if I made any, you know, mistake in a corner, just went a little bit slower in any corner by like, a, and just ended up a foot or two feet, you know, mm. a little bit further back at that point when I passed him, the pass wouldn't have happened. I, and I, and this wouldn't have been a story. I mean, it was just, everything had to be perfect and it just worked out. And it was just, yeah, I was super elated that it, <laughs> that it worked out because it was a mm. crazy gap that I, that I, you know, just killed in, in that amount of time. And I was like, wow, like that was incredible. And then after, after that, it was like, oh, okay, we got the win. <laughs> sort of a thing, you know, like, like the job, like we did, we did the job, you know, like, I, like the job was done, um, sort of a thing, which is, which was great because, yeah, it definitely would have, it definitely would have hurt me a little bit to not get a win for Force Indy in the first year. Um, so I was, it was definitely a relief to get that because that was the second to last round, you know, and, and um, we still weren't looking like we were like top three you know sort of thing where it mm -hmm. makes sense where we can expect to win so it was definitely a relief to get that win um in that in that way as well again we came back and we came from 10th place we went from 10th to first in 20 laps so like that was wow. also like what was awesome too i mean it was just from the start to the end it was just it was just a full charge and it was it was great so yeah i mean it was a it was all kinds of emotions just bottled up into one and it was just it just made for you know one of those moments that, you know, it's just, that just make, make for a lifetime. It's like, this is what, this is what we live for. You know, this is what passion is about. Um, this is what hard work is for. And, and yeah, it was just awesome. It was, oh my gosh, it was awesome for, it was, I was so happy for my family too. Um, mm. Just like, you know, just from, cause we really, I mean, there were, especially before I got the call from Fort Cindy and I was, in the middle of that hiatus, no racing, didn't think I was going to race again. I mean, like my parents really like, like, I don't know. I don't know how they even did the go-karting, but like they made it happen somehow. And I think they made a lot of personal sacrifices to like their savings per se, or like just basically like, like longevity and, and enjoyment for their lives to make sure that I would have like a chance at a career, not even a like, have a career have a chance at it sort of a thing um and to, and i and i would feel so bad like i'm not racing anymore like it didn't work out you know they made all these sacrifices and for what you know sort of a thing and and you know finally getting that win it was just like man like you know like i'm like it was just so like it's it's good to it was just so i was just so happy that 
they could, you know, see some more results from the, the immense, immense, immense sacrifices they made for me. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was just really special because of that. It was really special. Um, and especially for, you know, the kind of team I was driving for as well. And, you know, the struggles that we've had in the past and go-karting me and my dad, um, you know, with, with race and everything, it, it just all came together. Like, like, just like a movie, man. I mean, yeah, it feels like that's act one complete, not to put too much pressure on you. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about act two in a minute, but so you, <laughs> you talked a bit about the hiatus and then and coming back, getting the success, you know, rookie driver, rookie team winning a race in, in that season is uh, an incredible feat. Um, then am I right in thinking that uh, Force Indy decides they're moving up, they're moving up to Indy Lights, I think, um, which, right. Is is that right? And 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 so you're without a drive for 2022 for some time. Is is that right? Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was. Um, yeah. Go ahead, sir. Yeah. Well, no. Please, please tell us how how did that feel and and um, tell us about your winter and 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 the GoFundMe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it was definitely a shock for for everybody part of my support system because, uh, I mean, like as we thought, you know, everyone was being pretty clear and upfront with us um, because, you know, we developed really close, serious relationships, you know, with them, you know, everyone was, you know, starting out together and we all, you know, almost like, you know, it was almost like a kid thing. Like it, it, it felt like we all grew up together in that year sort of a thing. Um, so we kind of expected to, to run with them next year. We didn't kind of, we did because of what, you know, no one said anything about changing anything for next year. And we were confident that we were expecting to have maybe two USF 2000 cards um, for the year after. Um, but obviously, you know, that wasn't the case, but yeah, it was just a big shock at first. Um, but I knew, you know, racing's a business and I knew there was a reason for it. It wasn't just because they didn't like me. Um, I knew they loved me, you know, uh, it, I definitely wasn't too, too mad about it because, you know, I know how, the racing business works and and it was the kind of thing where I didn't stop filming I didn't stop taking photos I didn't stop focusing on school or any of that because I kind of kept it in the back of my head anything can still happen at any time so I definitely like because of my mindset I definitely wasn't you know run over by a bus by that uh but yeah it was a Mm. shock and and yeah definitely my support system wasn't too fond of that because yeah it was definitely a, a, a not the best move to play for some to someone that you know you you support and 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 say you trust and and say you you want to help build up with mm-hmm. yourself you know it it was definitely very weird uh but yeah like it just took some time to figure out what we we're gonna do you know have a few more conversations figure out the path for the future um yeah definitely like reaching out to the community you know my my wide support system of fans and supporters and and you know i basically just put it out there if anyone, you know, wants to, I'm not asking for it, but like, let's say, you know, anyone with any money, if you just want to feel like you're contributing, you know, here's a, here's a link or here's a pathway for you to contribute and, and feel like you and, and actually contribute. And that's what I did. And I mean, the results were astounding. I mean, my, my support system of fans and supporters is just, I mean, it's incredible. I did not know it was going to be like this at all to any extent, but I mean, like it, phenomenal and some of them would come up to me you know in the paddock at the races and talk to me and it's just sometimes it makes me tear up because it's like 
this, I'm, I'm meeting you for the first time and you've given me money. Like you've given me more than like a hundred dollars and you haven't even talked to me once sort of a thing. And you want to see me succeed. And it's just, it makes, it's just, it's the kind of thing that makes me tear up, man. And makes me super grateful and, you know, just, just blessed to be, you know, in this body to be, to have the opportunities I have, to have the support system I have. And, and yeah, it, all, it just pushes me forward, man. And, and yeah, once I saw the support from the support system, I, I knew, I knew it wasn't over and I knew I just had to keep my head down, keep working hard. Um, and yeah, it ended up working out with, you know, uh, Augie Papp giving me, giving me a ride for, for the Papp's racing team, which was great. Um, you know, he put in a lot of work to making sure, you know, I could get on the team and actually drive for him and, you know, look where we are now, you know, it's, the, the the efforts are really paying off really paying off so yeah all credit to the support system and Aki Paps on that one for sure to get back racing for 2022 I mean you every, every answer um there's a mix of the amount of adversity that you face at every step um you know you talked about the business uh, of motor racing and so on uh, but then also a kind of level-headedness uh, and you know I'm, that's fascinating to me that 22, I think. I don't want to tell you what I was doing at 22 or my level of maturity because, um, you know, facing those setbacks, um, you know, would have probably, any one of those would have probably knocked me back. You, I think I heard you allude very briefly and I could have misheard uh, in a previous answer to to race. And and by that, I mean um, ethnicity. Now, when when I introduced you, I, I was thinking about how I was going to introduce you today, and I, I did mention that you were the first black driver to win an indie sanctioned event, and I was debating with myself whether I whether I should because ultimately you're a you're a fast driver and you're um, hopefully on the brink of a championship season in the road to indie, um, but then I decided you know what ethnicity is part of who we are. You know I'm I'm half African. Um, my co-host is is uh, part Guyanese. Do you think, you know, how would you say the, you know, your ethnic background affected or has it affected your path through motorsport? And, you know, do do you reflect on that at all being a a trailblazer and and perhaps even a a role model now for for youngsters? Um, How do you feel about that? Yeah, and I love these questions and I love it when people ask me it more and more because it's, I mean, like, let's not hide it. I mean, it's it's hard to talk about, especially in, you know, an industry that's, you know, mainly run by, let's just say it, white people. I mean, it's hard to talk about such topics, but, you know, it's good to talk about them. And, and when you asked me that, I just thought about it. And, you know, there there have been a lot of different experiences because of my race in the motorsports industry. But it's really interesting, the, the multitude of experiences I have, because, you know, especially in the past, um, you know, like in Lewis's days, um, and especially like in Willie T. Ribs days, like, I mean, a lot of it was just, you know, one-sided, you know, very negative sort of a thing. And like really having to like, to, to basically just shut out all the negative noise and like just create your own positive noise. Um, and the experience that I've been having, um, especially like, you know, you could just say through the full, the full aspect of my, of my current career. I mean, I'll, honestly, when I started, a lot of it was really positive. Uh, it, it was a lot, especially like referring to the indoor go-karting. I mean, like everyone was like super happy. I was there. Um, there was another um, black kid there as well. I think his name was Tejab. Oh, I can't remember his last name, but and he was really close. He was really close to us in the championship too. And it was awesome. Like everyone was really supportive that there was like diversity. And then, you know, we, we got the go-kart 
and then it was and then it was like a weird twist it went from you know all positivity to like you know I felt like just immediately I had a target on my back it was a crazy like just a vibe switch you know like it was just a whole vibe switch from the indoor karting paddock to the outdoor go-karting paddock it was like everyone's staring everyone's like who what who is this black kid here is he fast is he slow is he good you know is he bad basically um and there but like I said there was a balance of it though there was you could definitely and it was it happened on track and off the track there were some people who just you just couldn't talk you just couldn't look at because they just looked like they you just couldn't they just didn't look like they wanted to be approached by you because of, of just you're just your target that you had you just looked like you couldn't approach certain people um and same thing on track you had to be extra cautious around certain people but then there was also like a positive side to it where there were a few different and, and some of them i know on the road to indy today there were a few different different kids and a few different families who would actually like i felt like i could actually approach and some of them would actually approach me and then like on track i felt like i could trust them as well sort of a thing it was definitely like a weirdly mixed balance and you know you just the negative people negative people the negative noise you just didn't pay attention to but i didn't have to create my own positive noise or at least not nearly as much as lewis hamilton and willie t rib um had to do uh, i definitely had a lot a lot more positive help from families and people that helped me that that helped create you know positive noise for myself i didn't have to do it all myself which was great um and that was basically the outdoor karting scene and then it was another switch to lucas oil from the series where it was just like the indoor karting scene and it was actually really positive everyone was super happy i was there nothing like the the go-karting scene i mean honestly the go-karting scene was was the worst one there was more negative noise there than i've experienced anywhere else because the road to indy it's it's just not there at all like definitely the first year when i was there with force indy you know things were a little bit weird at first but that's just the nature of new team, new driver. And I did not associate that with race really at all. Um, especially, you know, once I was there for two or three events, you know, a lot of more people seem to like, you know, just, you know, not like, not a lot of people talked to me in the first year, but it wasn't like go-karting where it didn't seem like, I, where it seemed like I could not talk to them. It seemed like I could approach them if I wanted to, but it seemed like I had to like sort of a thing. Um, and there's been a little bit of a target on my back in RCI, I feel like, especially in the first year. Um, but it's definitely not there anymore. Um, and when it was there last year, it wasn't there for, for a long time. Um, so yeah, I, I think right now as a black person, from my experience in go-karting, I mean, there's definitely like a little bit, there's definitely some negative still there, you know, definitely, you know, if you're going up to, you know, anywhere in the, the boonies where the go-kart tracks are, are out, like, you know, just way out of the city in the forest and everything, you you'll, 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 there'll be things that'll happen and you need to, you know, keep a level head and, and realize why you're there. And, and, you know, if there's anything you want to talk about, fight about, you know, address something negative, you do it on track sort of a thing. Um, but I've never felt that way in any single season series and the indoor go-karting championships have been great as well. I think the world's changing very positively now. I think social media has a good influence. Um, and just the technology in general, the internet, um, has helped us, you know, all come together and realize, you know, what, what positivity and, and happiness and connection and communication, you know, what the real benefits can be and, and how destructive, you know, they can be if you, if you try to, you know, abuse, abuse those things. So I, I definitely can, can say, you know, the industry is getting so, so, so much better than it was. 
Um, and, you know, there still can be some improvements, but, you know, it's, I, I, I like to be that person to say, you know, it's, I've been treated really well as a black person in the motorsports industry, um, especially now, especially 2018 through 2022 so far, it's been great. I mean, um, it's, it's quite difficult not to draw parallels with um, Sir Lewis Hamilton um, in a non-tokenistic way, because just hearing you say, doing your talking on the track, um, I think that echoes words that he or his father um, have said in the public um, before. And you're certainly doing your talking on the track this season. So you, you go from, you know, your, your rookie team, rookie season, they move up to Indy Lights, you're without a drive. And then, you know, you, you and your, you call it your extended support system, find a way and you're at PABS uh, racing. Did you expect to be in this position, uh, leading the championship with one weekend to go? Oh yeah, completely. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I came, <laughs> that's what I came into PABS racing in, wow. in 2022 to do. I mean, that's, I knew I'd be here. Uh, it's, I've always known, and, and I honestly thought I was going to be somewhere, maybe not first position, but last year I thought I'd be somewhere there as well. I just had a little bit too many incidents um, caused by me and also not caused by me last year, sort of a thing. But yeah, I very well knew I was going to be in this position this year. I, I've known my skill ever since I was a little kid, um, and I've been perfecting it ever since. I've known it ever since I was seven, year, seven years old. I'm not lying. I, I, I just, it's just been a feeling. And the amount of trials and tribulations I've been through in go-karting, I mean, I really could have quit so many times. I mean, especially the amount of times I've lost. Um, and it's, but I, but I knew, I knew I had skill and I knew I had speed and I knew I just had, you know, persevere um, and keep going because I, I know where I, where I can and, and hopefully will end up. And it's just about, you know, getting, getting through time, being patient and, and doing what you have to do to actually get there. And, and these are, this is one of the things I have to do win this championship, you know, show up, um, perform. And, and that's what I'm doing. And I, yeah, I definitely knew I'd be doing it this year for sure. Fantastic. That's level of self-belief. Uh, incredible. And, and absolutely right. Um, so you, you go into the final weekend and I'm looking at it now. Are there three rounds in the final weekend? Is that right? Correct. Um, three, three it, different sets of races. And you're leading the championship by just over 20 points. And for those that don't follow USF 2000, I think a win is, is 30 points. So, and the difference the second is five. So, you know, how, how confident do you feel uh, going into this weekend coming up? Um, do you think you're, it's yours to lose or you don't take it for granted? How, how do you feel going into the weekend? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty uh, relaxed. Honestly, I'm treating it like a normal weekend. I mean, it's kind of like a weekend in mid-Ohio that we have this year. So there's three different races, but unfortunately we only have one qualifying session. So on that qualifying session, you better hope you have a good car because you're either going to do really good and have a good three races, or you're going to do really bad and have a hard time for three races sort of a thing. So I'm really going to, you know, kind of attack it with the same kind of mindset as mid-Ohio, focus on qualifying first because my racecraft is there. My strategy is there. My consistency is there. It's just about making sure my starting position is there, which is literally in this championship, it, ma it makes or breaks championships where you start in races. So I'm focused on qualifying, focused on, you know, setting two fast laps because that's going to determine, you know, the starting positions for the three races. And, you know, as long as we, you know, come out the box really well, you know, set up the car really well, um, you know, I, I think it's all going to be fine. I mean, yeah, you could say it's my championship to lose, but, you know, also it's, 
Michael's and and Jace is the the two people behind me. It's it's theirs to win, you know, and they they're the one who have to put who have to risk their car out there. You know, my objective this weekend is or the weekend at Portland is you know sincerely protecting the car and you know just blazing, you know, being as fast as I can. Um, you know, there's there's no need to to be you know bumping people off the track, getting bumped off the track, you know, getting wings chopped off, such a thing. You know, just finish where you can finish with the speed you have and you know, everything will work, it, work itself out. I, I don't even know, like you said, you said the championship leader gets 30 points. You said there's five points difference between, you know, first and second. Like, I didn't even know that. I don't even look at the championship points because like, is that going to help you drive faster? No, it's literally going to help you drive slower. It's going to help you get in your head more. It's going to make you make more mistakes. Um, so I don't know how the, how the points work out in the championship um, because you, you just don't need to know about it because you're going to finish where you finish. You're not going to drive faster because you, because you need more points, you know, and you, you have five points in this position, you need, you know, eight, you need to get to the next position. You're going to drive the same speed because you're already driving as fast as you can. So I'm just going to, you know, do, do what I always do and just drive the car, you know, to the limit and protect it, you know, like it's my baby, um, but still obviously be aggressive. I always say I'm going to chill out and my dad's like, what do you mean you're going to chill out? You still have to drive, you know, and I'm like, dad, you know what that means? And it basically means I'm just not going to like, try to send it at all is, is basically what I'm saying. I'm just going to protect the car and, you know, take what's mine and, and make sure I don't take what isn't mine. And, and yeah, everything will, will, will be fine. Everything will end up how it's supposed to end up. And I know that. I mean, it's been a fantastic season. You, you talked about uh, three rounds in mid Ohio uh, and you came, I think first twice and, and a third. So all on the podium, um, it, it, whatever happens coming up in Portland, it, it's clearly put you on the map. Uh, this season and you talked a bit at the beginning about where you hope to go next do you have a sort of a firm plan is it all sort of signed sealed and delivered or, or what, do, what are you thinking about for 2023 yeah 2023 more than likely um not definitely not official yet but more than likely will be indy pro 2000 don't know a team yet but probably paths racing um of course because paths racing has a phenomenal program with augie paths um but yeah, that's what we're looking at. Definitely not doing indie lights, at least for the start of 2023. Um, and yeah, we're just gonna see, you know, what speed we have in a higher downforce and in a car with a with a little bit of turbo in it, and see what we can do. Gosh, it sounds exciting when you talk about the the turbo. So initiated, like, what are the speed differences, or what are the speeds of these different um, series? You've got the F2000. You've talked about the Pro. Uh, series and then you've got the indie light so how fast does your car go at the moment top speed yeah top speed is is really about 150 in the uss Oof. 2000s indie pro 2000s can go about 160 maybe go, maybe they can hit a little bit above um and then the series right before indie car right after indie pro 2000 indie light those i'm not officially sure on it but i'm pretty positive it's around 175 to 180 is how fast they go and the wings progressively get bigger um, as you move up in those car classes. So Indy Pro 2000 has slightly more down, has well, a significant more downforce than USF 2000 because even though USF 2000 does have front and rear wings, it, it, it doesn't really aerodynamically apply um, to the degree where you have to adjust, you know, your driving style for downforce per se. Um, a USF 2000, you can say, drives more similar, similar, similarly, to a Formula Four than to let's mm. say a Formula Three um, per se, um, or a Formula Ford, you can say. Uh, it's basically mm. a Formula Ford, just just with some weight on the front and the back, which are the wings, you can say. 
Um, they do a little bit, you know, definitely on the straightaways, but in the corners, you drive, you know, quite similar, um, no matter what the downforce is. But in Indy Pro, that changes. You definitely have more downforce and you're definitely driving, um, your driving style changes a little bit for the downforce that, that the Indy Pro um, delivers. And then the Indy Lights definitely gets a lot closer to what the Indy car downforce produces. And yeah, and then you hit the Indy car where it has a lot more power um, and yeah, just a lot more downforce. Definitely not a lot more, down, definitely not close to Formula One, but one of the closest um, cars, it's definitely the car with one of the heaviest downforce packages in the world. I mean, uh, those speeds and, and you're talking about downforce and, and, and so on, like, I, I can only imagine what it feels like to drive around at, at that speed. You talked a bit about IndyCar there. Is that is that your aspiration? Do you want to kind of be running in the Indy 500, something like that? Or where, where, where are you dreaming of being in? If, if you had the, the control in five years time, where, where would you like to be? Yeah, man. I mean, the way I want to race, I mean, I, I want to travel the world and and, you know, meet different, you know, people like photographers, filmmakers, models, shoot photos, shoot films, sort of a thing, and, and document my trips around the world while, you know, performing at, at my top. So, you know, the, the goal right now is IndyCar, you know, as a part of the road to Indy, uh, you know, obviously a goal, Indy 500. Um, but I would really love an IndyCar championship. That'd be awesome because that's, that's, that's longevity. That, that means you, you ha you've had speed the whole year, um, so to say. And, and yeah, like that's my passion, IndyCar. I mean, I, I did want to be a Formula One driver, like purely when I was smaller, but then I realized the politics and not even the politics, just the difference in the speed and the handling in each different team, you really have to be a lucky son of a gun to, to you know, be in a winning car in Formula One. Um, like one of the luckiest people in the world in order to do that. Because um, there's so many talented drivers who just don't have the opportunity because of the team they're on in F1. And I realized that early enough to like pursue the road to Indy. So IndyCar, I respected more because of how much more even uh, the cars are and how much more it is like, a, how much more, you know, the, the results depend on driver skill rather than, you know, the performance of the car. Uh, so I love IndyCar for that. So it'd be amazing to win an IndyCar championship. But in the long run, I mean, I'd love to do WRC and, and like um, Extreme E, um, even like start out in like ARA, American Rally Association or, or ERC, European Rally Rally Championship and, and get out, you know, on different terrains, you know, sort of a thing and, and run electric cars. I'd love to run Formula E. Um, and, you know, I, I'm big on, on a sustainability as well. And I'd love to be a part of an electric series when I'm older as well. Um, and, and definitely, I, I definitely want to be part of a series um, in the future that, you know, actually is global. IndyCar right now is not, it, it's just not global. It's only part of North America. So I've, I'd love to, to be part of, you know, series like Formula E, Extreme E, WRC that go global. And you can see a lot more different places, meet more, a lot of different people. Um, since I'm a filmmaker and photographer, I can make a lot more different content, get a lot dif more different shots, you know, just traveling the world like that, get a lot more different ideas, a lot more inspirations. Um, and, you know, just uh, just what I could do would just, you know, broaden more. So IndyCar is the, the first goal, but I would not say that's the end goal. Uh, you talk with a lot of passion. Everything that you talked about today, uh, you know, it's clear that this is your your love, and and it's really interesting because you talk about filmmaking in in the same way. And you, I think you've mentioned so far, or at least we could say you you you've just um, graduated, right, with a a degree in film. Is that right? 
Correct. Yeah. A degree in film and screen studies. Um, it was actually going to be in cinematography. I mean, I am a cinematographer. Um, and yeah, I've taken a lot of those cinematography classes, studio, um, studio lighting and everything like that. Um, but it's just not in cinematography because I actually had to live in Pleasantville, New York, which is way outside of New York City and, and go on onto Pace's campus in order to get the, the cinematography degree. Uh, if I wanted to live in New York City, I ha it was film and screen studies. So that's technically what my degree is. But I did that so I could live in the city and connect with all these different, you know, people, like all these different creatives and artists and, and you know, brought in, you know, my network of, of, of creative people. And yeah, that was the best decision I could have ever made. So my degree is in film and screen studies, but I am a cinematographer. And that's, that sounds fascinating. And, and you traveling the world, racing on a Sunday, but filming, uh, you know, your, your exploits sounds, sounds incredible. Um, is there anything out there in the public domain already that you've produced? Anything we can find online? Yeah, there's a, there's a short film that I produced about a year ago called Indigo, which was um, directed by Matt Hinion um, and Chris Angelis. They're two of my buddies um, and also uh, my partners uh, in the film industry. And yeah, they're, they're just great people, great creative people. Chris is an actor, Matt's a director. Uh, and we made this short film a little bit ago out in New Jersey. Um, and it, it, it's a great, it's a great piece, man. Um, I, I think it's still on my Instagram. If it's not, I'm definitely going to link it back up again. Um, but, but yeah, that's a, it's a little short film. It's, it's like, um, how do I describe it? It's, it's a little bit like Bonnie and Clyde-ish, you know, you could say, um, it's definitely got inspirations from that, but it's, it's, it's like, um, definitely like a, uh, what do you call it? Like a, it's a killer film, you know, like a, like a dark film very dark film but it's amusing you know the way this the the actors are the way the script is handled um and sometimes the way the shots are, are played out uh but but matt did a really good job directing everybody uh chris was an amazing actor in it um yeah it, it was just it was a great piece to work on i had so much fun on that but that was my most recent one and we're actually doing another film very very soon that i will that i will talk about on my social media um soon they actually uh, did a little, we, they filmed a little trailer for it. And I actually had to miss the filming for the trailer because I was racing in Toronto. Um, but yeah, we're working on another short film very soon. So my recent one is Indigo, but with the same people working on a new one and should be out within the next six months, I think. Fantastic. And am I right, am I right in thinking that your sort of handle on Instagram and maybe Twitter is Oceans by MR? Is that right? Correct. And what, what, what is that from? Is it because you've, uh, you've produced something called Ocean or what? Yeah, what so, so a lot of people, uh, my nickname is actually Ocean. Um, and ah. it's, it's a long story. It's a long story at the beach, you know, swim trunks came off sort of a thing. It's nothing cool, nothing cool. <laughs> but um, it was the kind of thing where when I came here, I decided, you know, like not many people called me it as I was like leaving for college, but I was like, I kind of like the name. And then if I ever want to, you know, create something like artistic and, have a brand, you know, I thought, I thought about it and I was like, I, I'd probably call it, you know, something along those lines. Like, um, so, so I just started introducing myself as Ocean um, to people here and, and that's what people address me as here. So if you ever come to New York and you're around me and my friends, you know, you, you just hear everyone like address me as Ocean, as Ocean. Um, so it basically stands for Ocean by Miles Rowe, which basically says, this is my brand by me, sort of a thing. Um, and it's basically a way I I am combining my um, creativity with also my um, performance uh, of, of motorsports. 
I mean, it sounds great. I'm gonna I'm gonna follow you after this. Uh, I'm too much of a granddad to have Instagram, but I'm definitely on Twitter. So uh, yeah, look out look out for F1 Black following Ocean by MR. Fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned a little bit about Formula One in there, and you know the the greater emphasis. I'm gonna be more political here, right? I'll say the greater emphasis on the manufacturing and constructor side, meaning <laughs> AKA the uneven uh, performance of cars. Do you do you follow it a bit, or is it something? Are you following other sports at the moment? No, yeah. I mean, I don't even follow other sports like that. I mean, I spend a lot of my time, you know, like like I've said earlier, like working on my art. Also, I mean, like we like I said, I mean, I don't really come from a lot of money, so you know, like a lot of these racing drivers, you know, spend a lot of money on like websites and like and and people to run their social media pages and everything. But I I'm working on all that at home myself. Um, so I don't really have time to follow other sports. I I really just like have racing on sort of a thing, um, and do that. You know, whether I'm responding to my emails or or like working on editing a photo or something like that. Um, so yeah, that's really all I follow, and and I'm I'm enjoying it so much right now. I mean, I think the people who who are behind the whole the whole series in terms of the production side of things, mm. I mean, they're a phenomenal job. I mean, that's why it's number one. I mean, they really know how to how to present you know a, a product to people i mean they they really make it like a film almost and and like not to not to like hate on indycar but that's just why i think more people watch formula one right now is because they really know how to present um a product like a movie like a, a, a like a documentary like a movie um sort of a thing and and yeah they they, they do it really well so i i watch formula one for the racing but also just to see how they broadcast just to see how you know, they're, they're running the angles, you know, where they're cutting to, who they're cutting to next, why they're cutting mm. to this person, sort of a thing, because you, it works, man. I mean, even up all the way up to the fine details of the graphics they put on screen and how they assort it and when they put it on screen and how often they put it on screen. I mean, it's, it's, I, I love it. I love watching Formula One for that because their, their production crew is, is on point, man. It's on point. <laughs> I feel like uh, everything you say rings true, but I've never thought about the production values of F1, uh, particularly compared yeah. to IndyCar, but you're right, yeah. Um, so you, you talked a bit about one of your earliest memories on motorsport being, you know, flicking through the channels and, and coming across that classic RS25, I think it would have been, the uh, the blue and the yellow of the Renault yeah. and, and yeah. driven and piloted by uh, Fernando Alonso, who weirdly is still in formula one uh some you know some years later so i mean is he still the guy that you follow or do you have a, a favorite driver or team at the moment yeah so fernando like i follow a little bit i don't follow him as much as i did before um especially after he left for a little bit um but he's still like i think someone asked me this yesterday and i i said he's still like my favorite driver just because when i see him make a move it's just the goosebumps that I get from it. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like the kind of shock that you get where, like, where it's like, where the whole crowd stands up and it's like, oh, it's like, I, even with Lewis, like, a, it's like Fernando, like he, he can make the crowd jump. Fernando, like in the car, like Fernando's just, he's just exciting to watch the way he, he drives the car with so much energy. And I think, and like I'm saying, Lewis, because like it, I never really know who to say because I love them basically the same. They're basically two of my favorite drivers, and I can't say which one's better. But in terms of like the excitement, you know, just which is what fans love. That's what that's what fans watch the racing for. I mean, Fernando does it. I mean, like 
he just brings out like the energy he puts into the car it just it's communicated to the fans like like better than any other driver i've seen um it, like they reciprocate that energy really well uh and i really appreciate you know just just his ability his natural talent to be able to do that um because it's it's just it's phenomenal to see uh, I know what you mean about the, the car, the way the car moves, the car placement, um, the, the the angle of attack. Sometimes, you know, you yeah. can tell there's an energy in there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like, do, would you say you have a, a driving style that that is similar to to him or to other drivers that that are more famous? Um, do you have a particular style, or how do you describe it? Yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely say it's my style is close to to Fernando Alonso's. Um, I'd say I definitely can be reserved a little bit. Um, but like, I definitely associate with more aggressive drivers, I would say. Um, like Fernando Alonso, I associate a lot with. Will Power, I associate a lot with, with just the way he drives the car. Um, over one lap, you know, he does it in such a precise manner, sort of a thing. And, and like, it's very inspiring to see because like, I can tell how precise he is in, in those laps. and. And I can't get anywhere near that yet, sort of a thing. Um, but but I try to, you know, like the way I drive, like I, I drive like I want to, you know, perform like willpower on a one lap. And, and yeah, so like I identify with him a lot with that. Um, Rena VK in IndyCar, I mean, the way he passes too, it's like I identify a lot with that as well. And then a little bit of like, there's a little bit, I feel like, of, of, of Max Verstappen in there as well. Um, like a little bit, just, just, I, I, I see Max, like I can see sometimes the way he plays strategy in his, in his mind. Same thing with George Russell. I feel like they're, they're both very, very similar and identify with them, uh, with them both um, a lot, I think. Well, that wouldn't be a, a horrendous combination of uh, yourself on. So uh, that sounds, that sounds amazing. And you mentioned, I think, did you say you met uh, Will Power? Um, right at the start of your your karting days, when you bought your your first kart, um, uh -huh. have you met any of the other like either indie drivers in and around the paddock, or or indeed any of the Formula One drivers so far? Um, I I have well, so I I haven't met any any Formula One drivers yet, but indie car drivers because I've I've only been around the F1 paddock once, and it was well, I wasn't even in the paddock, I was in the stands. And it was for one day. It was for a practice day on Friday at the Miami GP. And that was the only day I was there. Um, and that was my first time seeing a uh, Formula One race. Um, so I haven't seen any, I haven't met any Formula One drivers yet. Um, but IndyCar, I've, I've talked to a few. Um, and all of them are really, all the ones I've talked to are like really awesome. Like I talked to, like, well, Will's my mentor. So I know Will. Um, and then I've spoken to Elio Castroneves a few times. Um, Simon. Simon's really nice. Simon Pagano, I've speaking to him a few times. He's great. Joseph is amazing. I love Joseph. Joseph Newgarden. He's great. Um, let's see who else. Um, I've said hey to Renus VK. He looks like a nice guy. I spoke to Scott Dixon one time for a little bit. Not for a little bit, for like, let's say 20 seconds. And he was really nice. And like, I asked him a question and he was like really nice on how he responded and actually like cared on, on his response and what he want and what he wanted to say and, and kind of like, kind of get into my head um so that was cool and then um I've, I've like you know nodded heads and like said hey to Roman Grosjean a few times which is nice um but yeah like there's there's been a few um like there's definitely been 
more than less. Connor Daly, Connor Daly's awesome. I talked to him um, in the trailer uh, the other day, uh, and and he was like awesome to talk to. He's a funny guy. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people, but they all are really nice and and really open and and yeah, they're willing to talk to you. And and it's great to see that um, in an industry where you know these guys are just at the top of their game and you know they just they're elite and they don't they necessarily don't need to talk to you if they don't want to, but they do. Um, and they're they're really nice and respectful. So yeah. That's really good to hear. Um, and you mentioned Joseph Newgarden. Are you are you managing to catch his series uh, with Scott McLaughlin, the uh, Bus Bros? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And Scott, Scott, I forgot. I knew yeah. I was forgetting a solid one. Scott is amazing too. Same thing with Joseph. Yeah, they're hilarious, man. They're they're absolutely hilarious. I mean, like it's great they're doing a series like that. I I, I mean, like it's definitely putting the series on a little bit more, and it shows like. It shows you can, you know, racing is a very serious sport, especially with the m- amount of money involved. But it's it's really nice, you know, they're showing, you know, a really uh, a loose side, a side that, you know, a lot more people can identify with, you know, where it's like just funny and laughter and, and jokes. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I think it's especially, you know, being part of Penske, which is another just crazy serious operation. It's, it, it's nice. I think it's really good um, for fans to, like, identify with them some more and, and yeah, just appreciate the, the the sport as a whole. Like these drivers aren't just serious, but they can be funny, and 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 they are funny, and and they they they're just like you know, like a fan can be like they're just like me, like you're making jokes like me, sort of a thing, and and they can it, it gives something um, a little bit more for a fan to relate to. So yeah, it's it's really I think that's that's great. I think that's great. I I think I'd observe something similar in the sense that you, indie drivers seem more accessible even after a race, they're on Twitter sort of interacting with fans or, or joking or, or flaming, whatever it is. Um, so it, it looks like it's a kind of a community there, which is, is fantastic. Look, yeah, um, it is. It, yeah, go on. Uh, yeah, you'd agree? Yeah? Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Um, yeah, and yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. Like, I, like I expect them, <laughs> I expect the opposite, but yeah, they, they're, they're really like in the community and they're actually like communicative and, and responsive. And yeah, it's great to see. Brilliant. Um, so, um, we've had a few drivers in your, in your seat. Uh, one of them most notably was Mario Andretti. We were interviewing him a few months ago. Uh, and we, we asked him two questions. Uh, one of them is about motorsport and one of them is, slightly more trivial so we have to we have to ask you these questions uh miles so so the first <laughs> the, fir- the first one is the more serious one look if you could drive any car at any circuit which would it be Ooh. unlimited over to you <laughs> that's a good one okay let me start with the track first oh that's a tough one it would mm. It would it wouldn't be any any track in the in let me let me narrow it down. It wouldn't be track in any track in the US. Um it wouldn't be a track in South America. Let's see, not a track in Asia, I believe. Um oh Suzuka. Oh my gosh. I have to drive on Suzuka before I die. Just the S's section there. I mean I love S's on the racetrack, but I mean, like, I, I have a, a, a little, a little sim, a little simulator, um, and I run Suzuka, and it's just going through those S's is like the best feeling of in the world. Like when you're in full control of the car, fully controlling the pitch, the angle, the weight distribution, um, all the way from entry to mid to exit, right into the next corner, right into the next corner, to the next one, to the next one, sort of a thing, to the next one, 
um like it's it's literally like dancing like like it's just insane so i'd have to do suzuka and it'd have to be a car that's really agile and i think it would still have to be a single seater i it would have to be oh i think it would have to be one of the old old formula one cars from oh my gosh i know what it has to it would be it would be um Michael Schumacher's from Ferrari from the year 2000. It has to be that. I don't know the name of the, of that model, but it was with the, I believe the Bridgestone tires with the ridges in them still, um, where they had like way too much grip. I would love to run that car at Suzuka. Even if I'm just too weak to drive it, I would love to just be able to see how fast I could go around those S's because I mean, the way those cars dance around those corners, especially when you have a car that's really agile and just turns on command sort of a thing and, and it just it's just one with you like a single seater uh it's just it's a feeling that i that i have to that i have to you know understand amazing well get your neck exercises going and maybe, exactly <laughs> maybe who, whoever owns uh, i think they called it something like it wasn't creatively titled the ferrari f1 2000 or something like they weren't in their creative phase of car names back then um, but yeah, good luck. Uh, I, I hope you do get to realize that dream someday. Um, I so we, know, so I we, know. <laughs> we reached the main event, the, the, the most important question that we asked Mario Andretti, and he, he was slightly disdainful in his answer, although in a very respectful way. So the question to you, and, and uh, Miles, is pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Wow, that's that's a multi-layered question. Wow, <laughs> that's a very multi-layered question. I say yes because you know, let everyone be free, let everybody do their thing. But for me, no, absolutely not. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Cannot do it. I used to. I used to, but I realized, you know, this this might not be you know the best thing on pizza. There could be something better. It's just like, it's just not. It it just. It's like one of those things, like I can't even explain it, where it's like, it's the kind of thing where it's like, why did you even say that to me? Like, it just doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit. I mean, like, imagine putting a pineapple, dipping a pineapple in marinara sauce, and then like, think about it, right? And then think about eating a pineapple with bread, right? And then think about eating a pineapple with cheese. And like, none of it works. None of it, none of it makes sense. So why does it belong on pizza? I don't understand. But like, also it's a yes, because, you know, I'm all about, you know, the free spirit, let everyone do their thing, let, let, just, just, everyone can do, can do what they want. So yeah, you could, Black, you, if, if we show up to a pizza joint in New York one day and you order Hawaiian pizza, you can have that, but I'm not taking a bite of that. All right. You could have my pepperoni, my cheese slice, you know, my little margarita, you know, and, and I'll show you what real pizza is, right? <laughs> That was that has to be the most entertaining answer uh, to that question we've ever had. I think Mario Andretti's <laughs> answer was one syllable. He was like, "No," <laughs> with the Italian rules. But no, that's fantastic. Well, I hope one day we can go to that pizza joint in uh, in New York, and uh, I, I will I will almost certainly not have my pineapple on pizza, but we'll we'll see. Fantastic. <laughs> Look, you've, it's been incredible to talk to you. Um, I feel like we were talking about film and we've talked about act one, act two. I really, I have everything crossed for you uh, for the weekend coming up in, in Portland. 
Uh, I really hope you win the championship, but also I just wish you continued success and happiness. You seem like a happy, determined, level-headed guy and, and every success. Before we go, is there any message you want to leave uh, to our listeners, to the fans, and, and where can we find you? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, message, yeah, man, putting me on the spot, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean... I mean, I'm kind of a deep guy, so like I want to leave something meaningful, meaningful for people. Um, I mean, here's something. I mean, because I'm trusting my gut. Uh, oh, this is this is help. This is why I'm winning the championship right now, um, and kind of where why I am where I am right now. Um, always trust your instincts, um, and if you can't trust your instincts, figure out a way to train them. Always trust your gut. If you can't trust your gut, figure out a way to trust it. Train your gut. Because when things happen or you're left with a choice to make um, and one of them can lead you down a really, you know, happy road or one of them can lead you down a really, you know, less happy and more negative road uh, and you don't know what to choose uh, and you don't know which one leads where, you know, all you're left up with is your gut. And, you know, hopefully you can trust it um sort of a thing and you don't want to come into that situation without knowing that you can trust your gut uh and trust your intuition um it sounds very simple and even kind of stupid but it's a real thing when when there's a big choice to make and you don't know what to do and it comes down to just saying this choice or this choice you need to make sure you you know your instincts and can trust them um sort of a thing because if, if you train your instinct and you know how to use it i mean it can lead you down like really really bright roads um sort of a thing so always trust your instincts never doubt them and always stay in touch with yourself always stay connected with yourself the energy that you're feeling the emotions that you're feeling and always make sure to stay in control um for you and for other people around you yeah amazing yeah. thank you so uh, much wise words of course usually people but usually people say oh i'm i'm writing a book <laughs> that's, that's absolutely fantastic well look every every success every happiness will be following you here at stripping the dipping i cannot wait to see what happens at portland but i'm also just even more excited about the future for you and and where it goes so this has been f1 black uh with ocean by mr aka uh, Mr. Miles Rowe, fingers crossed, soon to be the US F2000 champion of 2022. You've been listening to Stripping the Dipping. Goodbye. <laughs>